like you to take a look at this graph that's on the screen. Now, I don't know what that looks like to you, but, but it's a profit and loss graph of a retirement count that I once had. It went up, and then it went down, and then it went up, and then it basically flattened out. And there was an extended season when there was really no profit and no loss. There was just no growth. It was just flat. Now, I think we all understand that investments can fluctuate like this. Did it ever occur to you, occur to you though, that, that the same thing can happen to us spiritually? You see, this graph could be a picture of your spiritual life or mine. We all have seasons of spiritual growth, seasons when we feel so much closer to God and we live with anticipation as he reveals to us new things about the life of faith. And these seasons of growth are times when we find great joy in prayer and in Bible reading and worship and fellowship. And when we're in those seasons, it is so exhilarating. It's exhilarating to be on kind of a spiritual high and to ride that way. And yet there are other times, perhaps times when we might feel like we're spiritually regressing. What's more common, though, I think, is, is not to regress, but to simply find ourselves on a spiritual plateau like we see on this graph. And these are seasons when perhaps God does not feel so close or when the life of faith just seems rather routine. We're not turning away from God. We're not giving up on our faith. We're just in this place where our, our faith seems to lack vitality. And it may be a season where, where it just seems routine. We're on a spiritual plateau. And what can we do to move off that plateau? What steps could you and I take to energize our faith and lead us into a new season of spiritual growth and discovery? That's what we want to explore over the next few weeks. We want to take a look at some actions that can help us break out of our routines so we can experience God and experience the life of faith in fresh ways. This morning, we're going to look at two Bible passages that remind us of the importance of the spiritual practice of fellowship. And as we understand what fellowship is and what fellowship can accomplish, I hope it will encourage all of us to enlarge our social boundaries and connect with a wider group of people here in our church. Because as we do, we will find that Christian fellowship has the potential to deepen our understanding of the good things of God. And as we discover that, it definitely can move us off a spiritual plateau. Let's start by taking a look in the book of 1 John, chapter 1. Verses are there on the screen. John writes, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He's talking here about Jesus. 
The life appeared. We have seen it. He saw Jesus. And we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life, the eternal life of Jesus, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship, fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The author of this passage is the Apostle John, one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus. And when we read about John in the Bible, it's very clear that he loved Jesus. And he loved other followers of Jesus. And he wants everyone to experience that same kind of thing. And as we read here, John and the other apostles tried to accomplish that by testifying to what they knew about Jesus so people could experience fellowship with God and with each other. Now, the word fellowship is not widely used outside the church, so we need to take a minute and define it. Fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia, which simply means to, uh, about what we have in common with other people. It's an ordinary word. It's not an inherently spiritual word. You and I have something in common, and we take some time to spend together based on what we have in common. We're engaged in a form of fellowship. I think back to when I was in high school, I had a buddy named Jim, and we were crazy about our dirt bikes. And we spent hours together tinkering with our machines and trying to hop them up so they'd go faster. And we'd go to the local motorcycle store and window shop for the latest accessories. And we went to races together at the local motocross track. We spent hours together. And the time we spent together based around that shared passion for dirt biking was a form of fellowship. Time together based on a common interest. And we all have relationships like this based on the various kinds of shared interests that we have with other people. In the church, though, fellowship is distinctly different because it's based not on what we have in common with others. It's based on who we have in common with others. We are here because of Jesus And we all know what it's like to be drawn into the presence of the Father and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. We all know what it's like to experience His love and His forgiveness. What could be more profound than to have Jesus Christ as the foundation for our fellowship? Jesus, not not our hobbies, not our causes. Jesus is the foundation of our life together. And Jesus wants us to experience rich fellowship. And John describes it here for us. According to him, we can have fellowship in two directions, with each other and with God. Both of those are essential. Neither one can be neglected. And yet in many years of being in different churches, watching different churches in action, 
I've seen that believers sometimes emphasize one form of fellowship at the expense of the other. For example, some congregations so focus so much on their fellowship with each other that they minimize or overlook the presence of God in their life together. Instead of, instead of being a community of faith, they are a somewhat spiritual social club. Other congregations focus so much on their fellowship with God that they minimize or overlook the importance of their life together. Instead of being a community of faith, they are a spiritually focused group of acquaintances. If we adopt either one of these approaches, then we miss out on the best that God has for us. We become a group of believers who go to church, but who are not living together as the church. However, if we embrace what Jesus offers us, if we pursue fellowship with God and with each other, we discover a very rich benefit. A benefit that the Apostle Paul describes in a letter to his friend Philemon. Let's take a look at this fascinating passage. Paul writes, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Think about those words. We're going to come back to them. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So the Apostle Paul here commends Philemon for putting his faith into action, and he's doing that by expressing and living out his love for other believers. Love for other people as an expression of faith. It's fellowship in action. Here's what's really interesting, though. Philemon's faith is based not only on what he learns from the Bible, but also by what he learns through his fellowship with other believers like the apostles. That's what Paul's talking about here in verse 6 when he talks about the partnership in the gospel. That word partnership is a translation of the Greek word koinonia, which most often is translated fellowship. It's the same word that John used in the passage we just looked at. So Paul, like John, is talking about the same thing. He's talking about our fellowship with each other based on the faith in Jesus that we share. And here's what's really fascinating. Paul says that as we share our faith with each other, as we live like partners in the faith with each other, then we all can have a deeper understanding of every good thing that we share in Christ. Fellowship deepens our understanding of our great God. I learned this early on in my Christian life. When I first became a believer at age 17, I joined a small, wonderful community of faith. And they taught me how to worship. They helped me find joy in Bible reading and prayer, and, and they showed me the value of Christian community. I loved 
to fellowship with those other believers. Yet every community can have limitations, and in this case, my church was full of people who largely were like me. They were suburban, and they were middle class. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But it limited my ability to understand every good thing of God. You see, on my own, building community with people like me, I only could understand some of the good things of God. And that began to change when I went away to college and got involved with the Christian group on campus. The leader of our group was Alex, and Alex was a black from inner city Los Angeles. A wonderful, godly man. A man devoted to Jesus and the Bible. He was a gifted teacher. He was a great role model for me of how to live as a follower of Christ. And when he would teach from the Bible in our group meetings, I learned a lot about God, but I have to tell you that I learned even more through my fellowship with him because I was able to hear in greater detail how God had been at work in his life. I had no knowledge of extreme poverty, but Alex did. I had no knowledge of what it was like to be facing constant pressure to join a street gang, but Alex did. I had no knowledge of what it was like to attend a public school where the classrooms were overcrowded, the teachers were overwhelmed, and library resources were skimpy, but Alex did. His journey was so much different than mine. And his stories of God's faithfulness in the midst of often desperate circumstances were amazing. You see, because of Alex, I had a deeper understanding of every good thing we shared through Jesus. And the flip side of this relationship was true as well. Alex had the privilege of growing up in a believing home with a mother and father who modeled the life of faith for him, and I did not have that privilege. So my story of coming to faith enriched him, and he could see how God had providentially brought people into my life who could lovingly draw me to Jesus. Because of me, Alex had a deeper understanding of every good thing we shared in Jesus. You see, this is the richness of Christian fellowship. It helps us see beyond our own experiences. And as we share our faith with one another, we help each other understand God better and love him more. This experience with Alex very early in my Christian life has shaped me ever since, and it gives me a, a hunger to fellowship with other believers who are not like me. Because I know, I know that we can help each other understand more richly and more deeply the goodness and greatness of our God. However, human nature pushes against this. You and I are creatures of habit. As a result, it's easy for us to fall into relational routines. 
We fall into patterns of life where we fellowship with the same people at church week in and week out. And that's one of the things that can cause our faith to plateau. We plateau when we're not consistently deepening our understanding of every good thing in Christ. And here's the good news. It's not that hard to enlarge our social boundaries. It's not that hard to create opportunities for fellowship with a variety, a, a wider variety of believers. I guarantee you that right here in our own church family, you can find people who are not like you. People who grew up in a different socioeconomic environment. People who came to faith in a different way. People who have experienced God's answers to prayer in ways that are different from yours. And if we're intentional about building relationships with one another and sharing our life experiences with each other, then we will enrich each other's faith. And we will help draw each other closer to God. And we will help promote seasons of spiritual growth within each other. And so this morning, I want to suggest three specific things that you and I can do to break out of our habitual patterns within this church. Three specific things we can do to build new relationships so we can broaden our fellowship. Broaden our fellowship so we all can deepen our understanding of every good thing we share in Christ. So here's suggestion number one. Do something different at Bibles and Burgers. Two weeks from today, on August 4th, we're going to hold our annual Bibles and Burgers event. And that's the day when we come together and have just one worship service so we all can worship at the same time together. And then afterward, we have a barbecue and picnic. And this year, we're making two intentional changes. If you've been around a while, you know how we've typically done it. The church provides the, the hamburgers and the hot dogs, and we all bring our own side dishes. But here's the pattern that we've seen. As a result of that approach, it became very natural for family members and friends to pool their resources and to share their side dishes together, so they wound up sitting together. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But we want to make it easier this year for all of us to connect with new people. So this year, the church is going to provide all of the food. Nobody has to bring a thing. So when we head out to the picnic, go through the line, grab a plate of food, and sit with somebody you don't know that well. Make a new friend. Let's enlarge our social boundaries and take a step toward other believers who are part of this church family that we simply don't know very well. Another change we're going to make this year, we're not going to rent the bounce house for the kids. Instead, we're planning a series of games and activities that are family-friendly for adults and kids. And this is going to give us an opportunity to interact with each other in entirely new ways. We want to break the routine and create opportunities for new relationships to naturally develop and flourish. 
And I hope you'll be here with us on August 4th. I want you to stop out in the lobby today. There's a sign-up sheet there. Please jot down if you're going to be with us so we know how much food to prepare. It's going to be a fun day. It's going to be a rich day of worship and fellowship. We do that barbecue to promote fellowship, to create opportunities for all of us to enlarge our social boundaries create the kind of relationships where we can share our faith with each other so we all can have a deeper understanding of every good thing in Christ. Do something different at Bibles and Burgers. Suggestion number two, do something different during the welcome in. Now many of you enjoy the welcome in and I'm glad that you do. That's our social time between services. However, let's admit that we're creatures of habit. Most people go in and they sit in the same place. Most of us go in and we talk to the same people week in and week out. I want to encourage you, don't just visit with your friends. Make new friends. Talk with some new people. Allow God to help you enlarge your social boundaries and to forge new relationships, relationships that hopefully can encourage you in the life of faith. And I want to I challenge our elders and deacons to set the tone for this and to model this for the whole church. Being intentional about forging new relationships. And for those of you who serve in the Welcome In, I want to thank you for your service. And I want to remind you that you are doing something that is far more important than just setting out coffee and cookies. You are creating an environment in which fellowship can take place. That's why we have the Welcome In. By the way, we could use some additional help in the kitchen getting things ready. And we'd like you to consider getting involved in this ministry. And you can sign up out in the lobby today and become part of this ministry team. All you need is a desire to serve and a desire to help support the fellowship of our community. You do not need to be a baker. You don't need to bake cookies to serve. And by the way, speaking of cookies... If your focus on Sunday morning in the Welcome In is whether or not we have cookies or what kind of cookies we have, then I'd like to gently say that I think you've lost sight of the purpose. The purpose of the Welcome In isn't to drink coffee and eat cookies. The purpose is fellowship. We provide refreshments because we know that fellowship occurs in a different way when people eat and drink together. So we want you to enjoy the refreshments, whatever they might be. Most importantly, use that time to stay in touch with old friends and to build new friendships. Enlarge your social boundaries by doing something different during the welcome in. Third suggestion. We'd like you to take what we're calling the Dine With Me Challenge. 
You see, one of the best relation, ways to build relationships is to offer the gift of hospitality and to invite someone to dine with you in your home. And to give you some incentive to do this, we've created this new initiative that we're calling the Dine With Me Challenge. Can we have the slide, please? There it is. Now, here's the way this is going to work. We have printed up some Dine With Me Challenge cards, and we're going to make these available to you. And we'd like you to take a card and invite someone over to your home for a meal that you do not know, or at least do not know well. Don't just get together with an old friend. Because the purpose is to enlarge your social boundaries and build some new relationships. We want you to come together, to eat together, to talk together. Maybe share a story or two about your own spiritual journey. Take those first steps toward forming a new friendship. So you've taken that Dine With Me Challenge card, you've invited somebody over, they've spent the evening with you in your home, and then you take that card and you give it to them. And you say, now it's your turn. And they take that card, and then they invite someone to their home. And we let this ripple out through our church. If you're on social media, and a lot of people in our church are, we encourage you to take a picture that night. Take a picture of you and your new friends. Post it on social media with that Dine With Me hashtag. And then all of the other members of our church who are on social media can experience the excitement with you as we watch these new relationships being formed. We're going to hand out just a few Dine With Me cards this morning. And next week, we're going to have a stack of these available out in the Welcome Center so you can take them and use them. And in the weeks ahead, we hope that you'll do this more than once. Take a card, take another card, and let's do this again and again to build new relationships within the church. But just to kick things off, here's my challenge. I'd like 10 of you right now to volunteer to help start this. I've got 10 Dine With Me challenge cards. Do we have 10 people who would be willing to do this, to step out of your comfort zone and invite somebody new to your house? Okay. Thank you all very much. I'm excited about this. I'm excited to see what is going to happen. If you didn't get a card today, Grab one out in the Welcome Center next week. And if somebody takes initiative to invite you over, then take that card and you pass that gift of hospitality and friendship on to someone else. Well, let me wrap up here. We are a community based on fellowship. Fellowship with God and with each other. That's the biblical foundation. And we've highlighted three specific opportunities where you and I can break out of our routines and make new social connections, building new relationships in which fellowship, the sharing of our faith with each other, can flourish. Bibles and burgers, the welcome in, the dine with me challenge. These are opportunities for you and me. And here's what I believe with all my heart. As you and I fellowship with a wider variety of believers, we will avoid or get off the spiritual plateau because we will have an ever deeper understanding of every good thing we share through Jesus. And as we all experience this, we will transform our life together. Here's the question I want to leave you with. 
What might the Holy Spirit prompt you to do to enlarge your social boundaries?